Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. So today we're going to do things a bit different and um, I'm going to speak now. I'm preaching this morning. Um, Yeah, it's going to be fun. And after that, we're going to do worship and some ministry time together. So Ben, you can go have a break if you like, um, because we're going to need you again at the end. So thank you so much. Well done, Mitch. Good job. Well done, team, on recovering from awkward track moments. You did well. So good. All right. So actually, let's just pray, and then we're going to dive into dive into the message today. So, Father, we just thank you for your presence in this place. God, I thank you that you're here, that wherever two or three or more gathered in your name, God, you're right in the midst of us. And God, we just welcome you to do what you want to do here this morning. We just give this service into your hands and just say, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. All right, so I felt drawn to this one special verse Um, It's a verse that really stood out to me. It's about a woman, and it's about something special that she did. And so I decided that I'd like to preach on it. So that's what we're going to do today. So Matthew 26, let's dive into this. This is Jesus talking, and he says this. I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. So this verse stands out as special because as far as I know, this is the only time where Jesus um, connects the gospel being preached with the story of somebody else. So let's just paint the picture for a moment. So the year is probably around 32, a long, long, long time ago. Um, The Jewish people are being badly oppressed um, by the Romans. Like it's a really awful time to live in. Um, and not only are they being pressed by the Romans, but they're living under the weight of such extreme laws, the oppression of their own laws. People are not treated equally. Women are seen as less than, um, and anyone who's sinned is at best frowned upon. Um, As we're reading the Bible, we can hear that at times they're stoned for their sin. Um, And those who strictly follow the Jewish law will distance themselves from anyone who has sinned because they have this fear that if that person touches them, then they might become unclean as well. Now, Jesus and his disciples are having a meal in the home of a Jewish man, and in comes a woman, probably an uninvited guest. So let's read the story together. This is found in Matthew 26, starting at verse 6. While Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And the Passion Translation puts it like this. I promise you that when this wonderful gospel spreads all over the world, the story of her lavish devotion to me will also be mentioned in memory of her. The story of her lavish devotion. So main characters in the Bible in this story. We have Jesus and we have the disciples. And then we have this woman. And all the Gospels actually mention a similar story. Um, Some talk about Jesus' feet being anointed, and it's possible that it happened more than once, but probably not that likely. So 
we can kind of assume that as we read this account and compare it with the other Gospels, that this woman is probably Mary, the sister of Lazarus, who has just been raised from the dead. Another Gospel indicates that Mary was a sinful woman. So whatever her past has been, we know that behind this act, there has to be deep gratitude, deep love for Jesus. Maybe it's because Jesus has just totally loved on her and she just knows forgiveness and her life has been transformed. Maybe it's because her brother has been raised from the dead. Whatever it is, we know that Mary is responding to the love that has been shown to her. And in the story of lavish devotion, we see a life that is poured out for Jesus because Jesus has loved her so well. In one of the Gospels, it says that the perfume would have cost a year's wage. So literally, she's pouring out on Jesus' head a year's worth of her income. Now, why did this matter so much to Jesus? And why did he say that wherever the gospel would be preached, that this story will be told? And I think that part of the answer can be seen in the reaction of the disciples. So they say, what? This is such a waste. Why did you pour this out on Jesus? And so their, their view of it, their perspective is that this is a waste. And I think all of us, if we're being honest, and I know in the back of my mind, it's kind of like, like just kind of come up as a thought that, yeah, actually, it could have been sold and poor people could have been fed. And it's almost literally, as you know, um, oil being poured on Jesus' head and dripping to the floor. It's almost literally like money just down the drain. But both Jesus and Mary know something that the disciples don't. And Jesus stops them and tells them to leave her alone. He says, you will always have the poor, but you won't always have me. So in other words, he's saying right now in this moment, her act of worship is more important than helping others. Big statement there. They are viewing this act through the eyes of worship, not of waste. Now, I'm not saying, just hear me, that we don't look after the poor. Of course we do that. And Jesus himself looked after the poor. He preached on it and he fed those who are hungry. And as I look at this story too, it actually reminds me of the story of Mary and Martha. And so same Mary we're talking about, um, where Martha's busy serving a meal to Jesus and the disciples. And and she's asking Mary to come and help. And she's telling Jesus, you know, send Mary to come and help me. And to be honest, I can identify with Martha. I'm somebody who likes to have things done well and, and likes to see the job done and all of that. So I can identify with this. But Jesus said here that Mary chose the best way by just spending time with Jesus. You see, our love for Jesus has to come first. He has to be our first love. And my first point today is that passion for him comes before passion for his cause. You know, the greatest commandment given to us, the Pharisees were trying to trick trick Jesus into like just messing up with what he was going to say. But he says this in Matthew 22, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God first. Now let's just take a moment to look at this. So this is actually an alabaster jar. Um, and this particular one is um, in a museum, and they think it's around 2,000 or 2,500 years old. So it's quite possible that Mary's jar could have looked like this. 
Now, alabaster, I found out in my research, is fine-grained. It's a mineral or rock that is soft, and it's been used for statues and sculptures and carvings, um, ornaments over the years. It's normally quite snow-white and translucent. It can be dyed, um, and when it is heat-treated, it can kind of look more like marble, which I think this one probably has been. So this was not just any old jar. This was a jar of value. Now, as I was looking into this during the week... Um, a bit more, and comparing the Gospels, we can see that in Mark uh, 14, it says that not only did she pour out the alabaster, um, pour out from the alabaster, it says she broke the jar and poured it on his head. So I was looking at this during the week, and I discovered that in Jesus' days, when a young woman um, was at the age where she could get married, uh, the family would go and buy an alabaster box and fill it with um, ointment, and that would become part of her dowry. And the size of the box and the preciousness of the ointment would kind of be parallel to the wealth of the family. So when a young man would come and ask for her hand in marriage, uh, she would, I guess if she wanted to marry him, um, break the box at his feet and anoint his feet with oil, with his um, ointment. It was a gesture of showing honour to him. And so in this action for Mary, she was heaping honour on Jesus and placing him number one in her life. But as well as that, she was going, Jesus, I trust you with my future. She had just poured out her dowry at the feet of Jesus. And she's saying, Jesus, I trust you with my future. The safest place for my future to be is fully surrendered to you. And this morning, all of our precious women who are, woman only, sorry, 18 years and over, are going to be given a gift at the end of the service. And that is a very special um, handmade clay dish made by Amy Michaels, which is absolutely amazing. You're going to love them. Now, as we look at these and as we use them, I would just really encourage everybody to let it be a reminder of Mary's story, to let it be a reminder of, first of all, the incredible love of Jesus shown to Mary, but also to you and I, and second, of the response to that love, of a life that is poured out, of a life that is given over to Jesus that we would say, Jesus, my life is yours and I give you everything. So we'll give those to you at the end of the service. Now, before anything else in life, our love for God comes first. We've said that. And this is actually what worship is. Our love for him coming before anything else. We're to love him with all that we have. You know, worship isn't just a song or a dance, though it can be that. Worship is a life poured out to Jesus. Worship involves every part of our life. It's a hard attitude and it involves action. Now, guys, in case you're feeling a little bit left out, because so far we've talk, been talking about Mary and her worship, let's just bring in a, a guy into this story. Um, so when we're studying Scripture, um, if we're really kind of going deep, we will use um, different tools to do that. And one tool that we use is called the law of first mention. So we go back and we look in the Bible and we see when a particular word or a phrase is first mentioned. So the first mention of the word worship is actually found in Genesis 22. And this is a story where um, God has asked Abraham to go and sacrifice his only son. God had given Abraham the promise that his descendants would be as numerous as the sand on the shore and the stars in the sky. But then God says, I want your son. Now, we're not going to go into all of this story because we could be here for a long time. But we do know the happy ending that God provides um, a sheep to be sacrificed instead. 
But in verse 5, Abraham says this to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. So God's just asked Abraham to surrender his very best and his son, but Abraham's reaction is one of, I'm going to worship God. That is huge. And I love something in there because you can just see the trust that he has in God. He actually tells the servant, we will worship and then we will come back to you. Although God's asked him to do this act that just seems horrendous, he is trusting in God and knows that God's going to provide a way and he knows that they're going to come back. I just love that in there. So the Hebrew word for worship here means to bow down or to prostrate oneself. So as in lying on the ground face down before God. And this is a posture of saying, God, you are absolutely everything. God, I make myself low before you. I surrender all to you. This is about, yes, that moment that for Abraham was that, but it was also about his lifestyle being one of absolute surrender to God, of absolute trust in him. So the second reason why Mary's act was so important to Jesus, let's get to that. It was because her worship, her act of worship of pouring the um, perfume on Jesus was a prophetic act. It was an act of preparation for the death of Jesus. Now, some of the gospel translations talk about this perfume being nard, and it was used as incense in the temple, but it was also used as um, a perfume for burial to prepare a body. So maybe Mary, unlike the disciples, actually did fully understand that Jesus was going to die. Or maybe she was just being led by the Spirit of God in what she did. But whatever the case, her act of worship prepared the way for what would happen next. And this was the biggest moment in history. Her act of worship was preparing Jesus for the biggest moment in history. A moment so big that all of our lives for all of eternity have been dramatically transformed That was the moment where Jesus died. And in that moment, every bit of sin, every bit of sickness, every bit of death was paid for once and for all. That moment where the temple curtain was absolutely torn in half to show that we had direct access to Father God. That was a moment where the power of God was so, so much on the earth that dead people came back to life and people saw the dead, who are now living, back alive again. This was a moment where the fullness of the gospel was seen. See, her worship preceded this incredible moment in history. Our worship matters. It not only blesses the heart of God, but it changes us. It changes atmospheres, and it can change the circumstances around us. We we worship Jesus because we want to show him what he means to us, and sometimes it's just so easy for that love to pour out of us. And it's just fine to worship God in those moments. But we also worship him just because he deserves it. And in those moments when we're not feeling it, that is a big sacrifice. But we do it anyway. We worship because we want to lift Jesus high. Now, an incredible gateway for worship, especially when we don't feel like it. And we will often do this in the car on the way to school. Um, particularly if we just want to shift an atmosphere. Um, And we just talk about the things we're thankful for. So we'll just go around the car and we'll have a turn with one thing and then we'll go around again and sometimes we'll go around again and keep shifting the atmosphere. But we tell God the things we're thankful for and we remember what he's done. And for all of us, that gateway for worship, that gateway into entering his presence, let it be one of thankfulness. 
And as we do this, that shift happens, the atmosphere changes, and our feelings change too. And I believe that often our breakthroughs are found as we praise and as we worship. And there's this incredible um, scripture in Second Chronicles. I love this passage of scripture where the Israelites are facing a huge army. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to read the whole thing in Second Chronicles 20. And this man called J. Haziel from the tribe of Levi stands up. He says this. This is just summarizing what he says. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the battle belongs to the Lord. You will not have to fight this battle. Take your positions, stand firm and see the deliverance of the Lord. Don't be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them. The Lord will be with you. And then Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground. That's the whole making himself low. And everyone fell down and worshiped before the Lord. Just pick it up in Second Chronicles twenty twenty two. It says this. This is a very cool verse. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. So as they trusted completely in God, as they just stood and as they worshipped, God brought about the victory for them. Breakthrough happened. And I would encourage you, and I've done this myself sometimes, just when you are really needing to see breakthrough in your life, you might have prayed a whole lot, you might have done everything you know to do. And then for me, sometimes it's like, oh, just kind of get this reminder. Oh, actually, I could worship God. I could praise him over the situation. And it is amazing what happens, because not only do you have a shift in your own heart, but a shift in the circumstances around you. Sometimes I have, and I've said this before, written down on a piece of paper the thing that I'm wanting to see breakthrough in, the thing that I'm believing God for, write it on a piece of paper, literally stand on it and worship God over it. Just a handy little tip. Um, Now, Bible heroes, just want to talk about this for a wee moment. I've often read the stories of our heroes in the Bible. So people like Mary, who we've been talking about, and Esther, Deborah, Peter, Moses, Joshua, um, or heard about the great revivalists um, and healing ministries in our time, people like John G. Lake and um, Catherine Kuhlman. And my thought used to be, well, they are incredible, or they were incredible. There was something so special about them. They must have been some kind of special human, like a, a superhuman. And we can tend to think that those people had more, that they were maybe more gifted, or that there was just something different about the way God made them. If we really want to play the comparison game, we in this room, everybody knows more than many of them knew. Bible characters, they had a little bit of the Bible. We've got the whole lot and we've got access to so much. We may be more gifted than many of them were. See, what made them different than others and their peers was that they lived a life of surrender. Their lives were fully yielded to God. Their lives were poured out to Him. They lived a life of worship. You know, there's this cool saying that goes, what we do today will echo in eternity. See, Mary's act of devotion has continued to echo in eternity. Her act of worship has echoed in eternity and it has been linked to the preaching of the gospel because it mattered so much. Will our echo in eternity be one of worship, of a life bowed down and poured out before God? An echo of love and devotion for Jesus Christ. What will your echo be? Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is happening by following us on social media.